0: Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints Podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, November 18th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez and on today's show I'll be joined by my co-host John DeShazer along with Saints legend offensive lineman Jonathan Stinchcomb. To talk a little Saints versus Falcons, we'll also get into the quarterback situation that the Saints are facing this week without their quarterback, Drew Brees, who has been ruled out with uh, some several rib injuries and a collapsed lung. So we'll be sure to keep an eye on that. We'll have updates for you on NewOrleansSaints.com. But as far as the New Orleans Saints quarterback situation is concerned, Sean Payton had a conference call on Wednesday morning. He was asked about the quarterback situation directly. And this was his response.
1: No updates, Mike. I'm eating my bagel. I was hoping to be chewing it when you asked that question.
2: <laughs> what kind of bagel? Uh, is it, it bagel or
1: is it like sesame seed? Or? It's, it's a poppy seed steamed bagel, which are hard to find, actually. With cream cheese? Yep. So when... Jameis Winston is, is in a quarterback for you guys. It kind of reminds me of the questions we were asking about Bruce Arians and, and Tom Brady. If, if when Jameis plays for you, do you want him to run the offense a certain way, like you guys always have, uh, you know, high efficiency decisions, less turnover risk, or he could? Run we want the all of that. Case, make different we, we, decisions. We want all of that. So when I answer this question, and then the response is, yeah. if Jameis is starting on Sunday, this is. So, yeah, we want efficient play from that position. Well, you know, I mean, I think you know why I'm asking, because he throws the ball downfield more, takes more risks than maybe we've seen from Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater in the past. I think the one thing we'll always do here is highlight the strengths of whoever's playing any position, not just quarterback.
0: All right, that was head coach Sean Payton being asked directly about the quarterback and starting quarterback situation here in New Orleans, but that was his response. It is being reported on Wednesday morning that Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback with Taysom Hill sprinkled in. That is according to Ian Rappaport, but that was directly from Sean Payton. So I guess, like all of you, we will probably find out on Sunday who the starting quarterback is for the Saints. So keep an eye on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app for more updates on that. And hopefully, nevertheless, we get the win over the Falcons on Sunday. All right, let's get into some Saints versus Falcons talk with Jonathan Stinchcomb. Stinch, how you doing?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course, happy to have you. You know, Last time we talked to you, you had a little bit longer of hair because you were growing it out for your Halloween costume. We need an update on how that went.
2: That was spectacular. I, I don't know if we've pulled off a better Star Wars family rendition uh, for Halloween, but we were dressed apart and I could not wait to cut my hair. So I'm grateful to have that behind me.
0: Now you were Luke Skywalker.
2: What? Who were you again? I, I was Han Solo. Oh. My son was Luke Skywalker. We had Padme. We had uh, Ray. you know, trying to hit all the generations of Star Warsians. Not even the right term. I don't know what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> you know, that's close enough. I'm a, I'm a Star Trek guy. So, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've seen and been told. That you can't do both. You can't be Star Wars and Star Trek. You can't, you know, you gotta like one or the other. It's like, you know, LeBron or Jordan. You can't, you can't, you can't split the middle, huh? Yes, yeah, so I'm a I'm a Star Wars guy. I've never seen a Star Trek guy. I've never seen a Star Wars movie. What? Ever.
2: Not not a single one. Maybe I shouldn't say that.
0: Yeah, you
2: should. That's 40 years, of, forty years worth of the forty years worth uh, worth of pop culture that you're missing, JD.
3: Have missed it all. Completely. Off. So now I wouldn't. I wouldn't understand any of it. I'd have to go all the way back to the beginning and watch all the way through to kind of figure out what's going on. And and I'm too lazy for that. I probably should have done it at the beginning of the pandemic when I had a lot of time. That's when I should have done it. But you know, I was too busy watching like other stuff, like you know, you know, all kinds of Netflix stuff. <laughs> You, I say, know. you know i was watching like i was watching like <laughs> no i was watching like the shy and stuff like that <laughs> oh,
2: okay
0: It's okay, J.D. You don't have to worry about growing out your hair for any Halloween costumes. So don't worry about that. Uh, Stinch, let's go ahead and get things started. Talk a little Saints-Falcons since it is Saints-Falcons week. Uh, Obviously, the biggest news for this week is no Drew Brees as he continues rehabbing from his rib injuries and having a collapsed lung. What was your reaction when you heard that news and you saw the tackle on Drew Brees, Stinch?
2: Well, first, what a tough dude. He was always, you know – for a smaller built guy man he's tough he's competitive and when you hear the injuries that he was dealing with uh, you just know that he was hurting especially when he got up from the sack and you could see the way he was holding himself he was hurting and to play out the rest of that second quarter and uh, anytime he taps his own helmet you know something is is significant so um, I'm glad that he was able to pull himself and say, I'm not right. And he needs to get right. I mean, that's some significant injuries. It's not just a cracked rib, which let's be honest, that sounds pretty painful in and of itself, much less five of them and a collapsed lung. So he's, uh, he's dealing with a lot. And, you know, as, as a friend, I wish him the best and hope he's on a speedy recovery, but for the saints side of things, um, I'm very grateful that the defense is playing at a, at a much higher level. Uh, there's so many complementary pieces that are starting to fall into place um, and, and surround that quarterback position because it's going to take a team effort. And it's not something that we're unfamiliar with, with uh, having seen Teddy Bridgewater do a, fill a very similar role in last season.
3: Stinch, I don't know how many snaps you played without Drew. I think back to the 2009 season where I think the last regular season game, I want to say it was Mark Brunel who finished out. But, you know, when you've got that singular voice for so long, um, how different is it to have another voice as the starting quarterback, even if it's, you know, regardless of what the situation is?
2: No matter the experience, no matter the uh, veteran status, Mark Brunel had been in the league and was a pro bowler, I mean, he is a high-level player. There is a difference when you get in the huddle and the familiarity with how they call the plays and how they conduct themselves and whatever the situations are. You get, you get to know how they're going to react in certain situations. If we're down, if he gets a sack, and, and all those things, um, you, you have to adjust and learn on the fly with the, the next guy up no matter what their experience level is. So for us on a personal level, it was Mark Burnell. For, for this group, it's uh, Jameis Winston, who, you know, he's no stranger to taking snaps from behind the center in an NFL game. But there's that transition. I think we saw it in the second half of this past week uh, where you got to kind of get a new feel and, and correct that flow. It's not a seamless transition usually, no matter whether it's a guy who's been under center a number of times um or not
0: so Stinch, what does a week of practice look like getting ready for Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill because as Sean Payton said on the conference call on Wednesday morning he's not giving out any information on who's going to be the starting quarterback he said I'm eating my bagel I'm at peace I am not answering this question so how what does a week of practice look like getting ready for not only one quarterback but two quarterbacks to take over
2: well, for the Saints, I think it's an opportunity because, you know, when you're adjusting on the fly, you create a game plan that you're trying to utilize your your skill set and your tools to the maximum. And when things change, whether it's a, a position player or your key player as a quarterback, you don't have that opportunity to adjust your game plan and sculpt what it looks like to match the skill set of Jameis Winston as opposed to a Drew Brees. Whereas this week, you have an entire week to put together that plan of how do we want to utilize Taysom Hill? How do we want to highlight the skills and abilities of Jameis Winston and complement those two? Now, the for the Falcons, that creates a real challenge because you know the set plays or the tight plays that you usually can expect when Taysom comes in at quarterback. But it, it, I, I'm guessing that they're having to uh, – prepare for a much wider variety of attacks that you can project with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and what's that ratio and who's getting these snaps win and you know, situational football, which is huge in the NFL. Uh, what can we expect in third and long? What can we expect in short yardage situation? What do you think they're going to run in the red zone? Those are all boxes that you have a, a profile of a team that the Falcons are having to adjust this week, which is a good thing because the Saints are trying to do the exact same thing. What's our plan? How do we maximize the, the guys that we have and attack the Falcons in a way that uh, might be a little more unexpected than usual?
3: You know, since you mentioned the complimentary pieces and I think you specifically mentioned the defense stepping up last year, you saw, and some, and now this year, uh, but also the running game seems to have jumped for the Saints. Uh, in terms of production, and that's even before Drew was injured. As an offensive lineman, and I say that loosely because now you look like a wide receiver. <laughs> as, as a former offensive lineman, yes. how much, I guess, do you guys look forward to that part of the game kind of being placed on your shoulders, to where you say, you know what, we're going to run the ball, we're going to we're going to push these guys around, we're going to be physical with them, we're going to exert our our will on them.
2: I think it's huge. I think it's going to be a huge advantage for this offense, having established an identity of the ability to run the ball, whether it's Kamara or or Murray, when he comes in the game, he's been effective as well. Now Kamara, let's all agree that he's playing at at the highest of level Dalvin cook, maybe, but who is a more impressive running back this year in 2020? It's a short list and Alvin Kamara's names at the top of it. So, Having that ability and that kind of playmaker um, that you can hand the ball to or get in, in the passing game is going to be huge. But when you transition from a Hall of Fame elite top five historical quarterback in any category, um, you want to be able to run the ball. And for offenses that haven't established the ability – it is hard midstream to say, all right, we're going to have to run the ball a little bit more to keep a defense honest or give our time, uh, our quarterback time to kind of establish himself and figure out the play sets and play calls that he likes. Now, now, quite honestly, it might open up more opportunities for a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who, you know, has flashed at times. And I feel like he's starting to get some momentum and, and create a little identity in this offense. Uh, But maybe there's more opportunity for him with Jameis coming in and um, who knows, Uh, but he's just a guy that sticks out to me as, um, you know, has a a high ceiling and we haven't come close to maximizing that ability. And luckily for for the Saints, uh, I think you can look across the board. They've got a really solid offensive front and some playmakers that they can ask uh, a little more of, and they have that ability to answer.
3: Stinch, we know you're in, you're in Georgia, and obviously you have a little fun with the Falcons fans, but you know, the Falcons have taken a little of the fun out of it now. They've won three out of four, and so it might not be as pleasing for you as, as it usually is, but what have you seen them, or, or have you seen them much, and what have you seen them doing well?
2: It is amazing how many different caves and holes Falcons fans can come climbing out of when they win a game against the Saints. I mean, quite honestly, being here, I talk crazy trash to literally anybody who would listen about Saints and Falcons and, you know, they disappear for most of the season and they're non-existent this year. And, you know, we go to the Saints games when they come to town in Atlanta and the stadium is nowhere near capacity unlike the the home that we call the superdome so half the half the fans are wearing black and gold anyway so uh, they're they're in deep hibernation already uh, the only reason they would come out which I'm expecting them not to is if they happen to get their one claim to having somewhat successful season and redemption song of beating the saints but man do I hope that's not the case and I fully expect it not to be
0: Fingers crossed on that. Stinch, I know, you know, obviously you played offensive line, but you were never in those defensive rooms. But is there kind of a conversation or an expectation of, hey, you know, we're not where we usually are on offense. We have new quarterback, plural quarterbacks coming in possibly, um, do we we need to step up? Defense, we need you to make a play. Special teams, we need you to make a play. Is that a conversation that's had in those rooms or is that just kind of expected? Like we need to help our team out as much as possible. Let's just go out and make some plays.
2: Yeah, I think at this level, there's more of an understanding. I think we had it as an offense when you when you recognize whether it's a trend in, the, in a game or in the season, if injuries have caused, an imbalance, if you will, where there are games where we went in knowing we're going to have to score 35 plus to to win this game. Like the matchup wasn't favorable or uh, whatever the situation. And maybe you just knew the trends of the season, which there are some seasons that have gone that way uh, where you just expect you have to perform better and uh, execute at the highest of levels. And I'm sure that's the same understanding and focus that the defense has. Now, I think, again, they're a trending in the right direction group and unit where, you know, there were some times where the secondary early in the season uh, didn't play at the level that I think we were expecting. And now you get some guys that are healthy and uh, they're gelling more. That was the expectation when you bring Malcolm Jenkins back is he's going to be this solidifying voice in the back end that has all the experience and can mesh the the uh, the talent levels because man are they there um but it it didn't translate into production and now i think you're seeing uh, a little bit more of what the expectations were heading into the season we all had those conversations in the preseason which was limited uh with guys like cam and and davis and you know some of your vocal leaders the expectations were high and now i think we're starting to see uh the realization uh, and execution of there's a, a solid reason for those expectations
0: yeah I think once the Saints team saw what they were capable of not only in in preseason but you know you said they came out a little bit slower in those first few weeks but I think that Buccaneers game was really a page turner for the Saints defense to kind of realize who they are their identity and what they are capable of moving forward for sure
2: Aren't we all hopeful? I mean, if it looks like that, sorry, Caroline, you're just going to keep going. And okay. listen, you, you call me, I'm ready to talk Yeah, uh, Saints football. I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in Atlanta. These people, all they want to talk about is anything but NFL football. So, I mean, I'm fired up about some Saints, like, uh, beating up on them dirty birds. So, you know, I, I I'm excited about this game. I, everybody's got to step up and you know. all right. Back to you, Caroline. Peace. <laughs> You have, no, you you're fine. We down. did
0: call you to talk. We did call you to talk. You have, to, have
2: talk. to shut it down, Stinch.
3: Every now and then I have to do that, too. So, you know, yeah, OK, yeah, just join it. Join the crowd.
0: All right. Enough <laughs> of that. All right. I got to go. I got some things to do today. So, Stinch, we appreciate you coming on. J.D. as always. Thanks for joining. Always a blast. Someone needs to get me a picture of Jonathan Stinchcomb as Han Solo because I need to see that. All right, always great having Stinch on the Saints podcast. We will have another edition on Friday as usual with someone who loves to talk Saints versus Falcons in maybe a little bit of a petty way. But nevertheless, we want to talk Saints-Falcons and get a little bit more insight as we approach the game on Sunday. All right, that'll do it for the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Jonathan Stinchcomb, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk again on Friday.